shooting out sparks over 38 states, the Canadian plains, and the tequila fields of Mexico. A program most deserving of a grand introduction. The Nocturnal Journal. The talk of the town. WGN Radio 720. With your guide, Dave Hoekstra. Daytime turns me off and I don't need maybe. Welcome to Nocturnal Journal tonight. Uh, we got a great, great show. On the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about Aaron Cohen's new book, Move On Up, Chicago Soul Music and Black Cultural Power. And we're bringing in uh, our friend, a uh, legendary Chicago soul arranger and saxophonist, Willie Henderson, for that. And in the 9.30 hour, we're going to have uh, Jerry Nicosia out from the Bay Area to talk about his latest book, Kerouac, The Last Quarter Century. And on the phone now from Connecticut, we have Monique Heller. How you doing, Monique? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for staying up with us on a, on a Saturday night. No problem. Thank and you for having me. It's a it's a it's it's a sad story, and then it turns out to be a, quite an engaging story. Uh, you lost your father, Joe, on September eighth, right at age eighty two. Joe Heller. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you guys. I think I'm going to read a little. I was looking here. I think I, I want to read a little bit of the obit. You guys put together the obit, and it ended up being what the New York Times called like the best obituary ever. So, <laughs> and I it's, have it's, to agree with them. <laughs> pardon me. I do have to agree with yeah. them. So here's just a couple things, and then uh, you know we can link listeners up to it and stuff. But uh, there's stuff about uh, uh, when the doctors confronted his daughters with the news last week that your father is a very sick man. In unison, they replied, "You have no idea." And uh, you talk about your mom, Irene, uh, the, the love of his life, who was uh, hoodwinked into thinking he was a charming individual with decorum. Boy, was she ever wrong. Joe embarrassed her daily with his mouth and choice of clothing. It goes on and on. I mean, and you and I talked when I, when I talked to you earlier this week about why this resonates with people. And we get into that a little bit, but um, I think it's just so truthful and honest. But talk about Joe. Talk about your dad and tell the listeners who he was. And then we'll get into the specifics of the obit. I mean, my dad was was a great guy. He was a great member in the community. He was a great father. He was a great citizen, and he lived for his family, and he lived to serve the community. Uh, he grew up in a small town in Connecticut and, you know, stayed friends with the folks that he grew up with. So some of his best friends through life he knew from elementary school. And he didn't like to leave the confines of of Essex, which is a very small town. And so to have his his obituary and his presence felt across the world has really touched us. Um, where did he work? He was a U.S. Navy vet. Uh, yeah, give us a little bit of his resume. So when he got out of the, the Navy, uh, he went to work for Cheeseboro Ponds, which is a... A cosmetics company, which has since been bought out many times over. And I guess he kind of hoodwinked them into thinking that he was a chemist. <laughs> and so he was working alongside these college-educated chemists, and he was developing uh, cosmetic products and makeup products and really holding his own. And he would bring home bags of creams and potions and makeup and lipstick and, you know, things that they were developing in the labs. 
And, of course, growing up, my sisters and I absolutely loved having all of these cosmetics and goodies at our disposal. And more often than not, he would, you know, sit on the floor and we would open up the beauty salon and we would make him up and do his hair. And, you know, he was pretty much game for everything. Wow, wow. Um, How did he meet your mom? He met my mom. So when he was a chemist at Cheese Row Ponds, my mom was a secretary for one of the executives there. And my mother was impressed by the fact that he was a chemist and, you know, perhaps didn't have the backstory and and didn't know that he was kind of faking it until he made it. And uh, she saw him, fell in love with him, and the rest is history. And how long were they married? They um, would have been married for 58 years. So my dad passed away the day before their 58th wedding anniversary. Wow. Wow. And he joined my mom. My mom passed away in 2015. And uh, he was uh, a volunteer fireman, a public work snowplower. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I bring that up is how did he, and now I want to get into his persona, but how did he uh, interact with the people in the community? Was he, paint a picture, was he a jokester? Was he, was he, was he like, I mean, how did he uh, interact with people on his, on his routes throughout the, his life? Um, you know, it, he always was a jokester, I mean, from as long as I can remember. And one of the things I did mention in his eulogy is we had these neighbors who had just moved into the the hill where we grew up and their front yard was wetlands and any time there was any amount of rain uh, my my father you know we were down in the the basement painting signs about you know look out for alligators you know swamp creatures whatever and in the middle of the night we would go and we would nail these signs up to this, you know, this poor new neighbor who just moved into town and they wake up and, you know, their front yard, which is a swamp, is, you know, (laughs) laden with signs about, you know, warnings of alligators and such. So um, that was his welcome for them into the neighborhood. You said, go ahead. um, You know, I mean, my my dad started off at, at Cheeseboro Ponds and when the organization left town, um, he decided to, you know, work for the local concrete plant. He was a town constable. He did pretty much anything to, you know, cobble together a living so that my mom could stay home with the three of us. Um, You say in here uh, about Joe was a frequent shopper at the Essex Dump and left his family mm-hmm. with a house full of crap, mm-hmm. 300 pounds yeah. of bird seed and dead house plants <laughs> that they that have no true. idea what to do with. So did he mm-hmm. collect a lot of stuff? I mean, obviously, right? My father was, was an avid collector. And, you know, growing up on the tail end of the Depression, he grew up where food was, was rationed. And these were some of the things that my grandfather used to tell us about and my father would tell us about. And so he was the, the eldest of five kids and having a house of seven mouths to feed, my grandfather did try to to stretch a dollar and never threw anything away. And, and that was very much what shaped and molded his life. And so if he was at the dump and he saw, I don't know, perhaps a perfectly good shovel, it, he would pick it up and he would bring it home. My mother, of course, had very, you know, opposing ideas about what the house should be used for. And, you know, that was one of the things that, you know, they would bicker about is my father's growing collections of of things. And more often than not, someone would reach out to him and they'd say, hey, Joe, do you have, you know, X, Y, and Z? He'd go down to the basement. He'd pull out 
one of eight of, you know, whatever he had collected and, and give it to this person. And so if something had any sort of utility or life left to it, uh, that necessarily, you know, wound up in our garage or our basement and, and we're wrestling with some of those things now. Boy, I told you, I lost my parents a few years ago. My dad was born in 1920, and it was the same. It was the same deal. And cleaning that mm-hmm. out is really, really daunting. You know, it's, it's a dubious task. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, okay, we got to take a break, and then I want to get into the nuts and bolts of, of how this all came together. So, can you hang on with us a little bit longer? Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Monique. We'll be back with more Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Now all the things that you have done has killed my soul, made my spirits run. Don't mind your hand. I'm gonna tear your ass off or down Don't bite your hand, little hat And I'll be satisfied Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN Monique Heller is on the line from Connecticut Talking about her late father, Joe Heller who wrote, You wrote the world's greatest obituary And I mm-hmm. did that for your dad Because you said he liked bluegrass music <laughs> He did, and uh, we actually had it playing in the hospital, so I had my phone up on his pillow, and we probably listened to bluegrass music for about 36 hours, and that's all we could take. (laughs) Yeah, you're not a bluegrass fan. I can appreciate it for a finite amount of time, but I'd say going nonstop, um, it it was a bit much, but... (laughs) We weren't doing it for ourselves. Yeah, you're of course not. Um, yeah. Okay, so now who's, whose idea was this? And I was curious, um, yeah. were the wheels in motion? Did he know about it? So talk about how all this took shape. He did know about it. So, you know, my dad and I had a very close relationship, and I've been writing down stories and memories and thoughts for, you know, the past couple of years. He's had a couple of health issues come and go over the years and we'd say oh this might be it oh this might be it and it never was and so I just had a notebook where I I just started taking some some notes down about things that I wanted to recall and what I wanted people to know about him and during the the last week of his life I was alone in the hospital with him and I said you know dad I I know what you want for your funeral and I know what you want for your wake but something we haven't talked about is your obituary. And he said, yep. And I said, you know, are we going funny with this or are we going serious? And he looked at me and he said, you're kidding, right? And I said, we're going funny. And he said, I want, I want people to tell stories about me. I want people to remember me. He said, I don't want my resume, uh, you know, in my obituary. That's not who I was about. And so I started, I started writing. And, you know, Wednesday before he, he passed, I, I woke up probably at midnight, and I just had this rush of adrenaline, and I sat down at the computer, and I just started typing. And I brought all of my thoughts into the hospital on Thursday, and I started reading them to my aunts and my uncle and my sisters who were there, and one of my nephews was there. And we were, uh, like, side-splitting laughter. We had so much fun with this obituary. They started bringing up stories that, you know, I forgot, and the, the obituary got so long that, you know, we had enough material for the eulogy as well. So 
this obituary is actually shorter than the one that we had originally intended, um, but we had gotten an estimate from the the funeral home about what it was going to run us, and, and I knew it would upset my father, but I said, you know what, we're doing it anyway. Um, 271, last count, 271 pages of tributes at the funeral home. I mean, yeah. it gives me goosebumps. Why do, you th- <laughs> why do you think this resonates with people so much? You know, I think that in the news there is just so much negativity. There are, you know, Americans fighting with Americans, and there is this political divide in the country. And my father's obituary hit the week of, you know, the 9-11 anniversary. And so, you know, the country's on edge. And this is a story about a guy who, you know, kind of kept to himself, kept to his own town, and it resonated with people. It told the story of of a life. It told the story of someone who loved his family and a family who loved him very much. And it it really has crossed every cultural, um, you know, boundary. We've heard from Australia, New Zealand, Russia, Brazil, Canada, um, nearly every of the 50 states. We've heard from the Caribbean. And everyone just says, he sounds like the kind of guy I would have loved to know. Oh, that's got to make you feel good. It does. You know, we were talking this week. Um, and talk about how it's helped you get through this. You know, I know, I know it's tough. So, uh, how has it helped you in, in trying to heal and, and getting through these times? It is tough. Um, you know, I'd say that. <clears throat> excuse me. The first week, the media distraction really did help because you know, obviously, you're dealing with this gaping hole in your life now. And really, my dad was my part-time job and my sister's part-time job as well because you needed so much help towards these past couple of years. And so you go from having this part-time job to having nothing, and, you know, it was filled in with, you know, just this rush of media and all of these people who wanted to talk about my dad and find out more about him. And having my dad have more friends in passing than he did in staying really still just just leaves me speechless. What was he like? Uh, again, uh, so many great things in this, but when uh, yeah. when they began dating, he uh, Joe would greet yeah. their dates by first running their... Now, is this, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't make anything up. By first running their license yeah. plates and checking uh, for yeah. bald tires. If the vehicle passed inspection, they were invited into the house where shotguns, harpoons, and sheep nutters were yeah. clearly on display. Is that... <laughs> So what was it like when you bring a guy into the house? Well, more often than not, my father would know the family that, you know, our suitors were from. We're, again, from a very small town, and my father knew so many people from the police force and his work on the ambulance and the fire department. And these are typically people we've gone to school with since we were in either kindergarten or, you know, it started junior high school with as part of the Tri-Town. And so if he didn't know the family, he would put his feelers out to his friends and say, you know, what's this guy all about? And if one of us managed to, you know, drag someone home who he didn't already know about, he would go out. Um, he would come out as the person would pull into our driveway. He would do a visual inspection of the car. He would take uh, a penny out and put Lincoln's head in the, the tire tread to see if the tread depth was enough and these, you know, tires were safe enough to travel on. <laughs> and 
you know, I think it was, you know, it was both out of safety and and intimidation that he did that. But, you know, more often than not, the, the gentleman would come in, and uh, we did have, you know, whale harpoons up on the the wall, which were part of a display, and, you know, that my father had carved a whale, so that was up there as well. Um, but typically he had a, a shotgun out that he was cleaning, and then one of his friends had given him this set of antique sheep nutters, which he would, you know, take out and, you know, kind of clomp around when <laughs> these people would come into the house. What are, and, um, I mean, what are sheep nutters? Oh, my. Um, I'm sure that the farmers will appreciate this, but these are tools that are used to um, emasculate male sheep yeah, on a farm. Saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boy, boy, oh, boy. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> what was his... Uh, what was the funeral like? Again, I read that he wanted a, like a no dress code, and and so right. was the funeral. Is kind of um, I don't want to, I hate the word fun, but I mean was it was it in the same mood as the obit? Um, well, I mean his wake was fun. Yeah. Um, you know when when I tell you that there wasn't a dry eye there, it's because there was so much laughter and there was so much joy, and my father did not want to be you know, laid out at a funeral home and wanted to be in front of this fire truck that he remodeled with his buddies. And so we asked the fire department if we could lay him out in all of his glory in front of this truck. And they had never had, you know, an open casket at the fire department before, but they were game for it. And so we had, um, you know, the truck. We had my dad in front of uh, the truck. And as people were, you know, approaching the, the coffin, they were, I guess, pleasantly surprised when they looked in. And my father had requested to be buried in a, a T-shirt with the grumpy dwarf on it, which we allowed him to be buried in. And um, he would, he, his request was to be embalmed with his middle finger giving the, you know, the salute. And so he was embalmed with his middle finger sticking up. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and, um, you know, he also requested that we put in a remote um, fart machine. And so (laughs) when people would come up to pay their respects, you know, I unfortunately was the one assigned to the other end of the remote control and, you know, as we were greeting people, if I knew that they wouldn't have a heart attack, we were just letting them rip from the casket. And people were leaning in and they were saying, oh, my gosh, this is so Joe. And this is so Joe. And only one person jumped back and it was really funny. And everyone was laughing. We had, you know, my dad on one side, we had a ton of food and sandwiches and salads and whatnot on the other and it was a party it was a celebration it was everyone coming together and telling their joe stories and this is exactly what he wanted well thank you um we got to wrap this up but thanks so much for joining us i want to say before we let you go and thanks so much uh for sharing these stories they're great monique uh tell us about the facebook page where people can follow you guys um, so I created a Facebook page for for my dad, and it's, you know, just Joe Heller. And we have a repository of, you know, everything that's been going on around the world in his honor and then just, you know, some family pictures. And so, you know, we'd love to have, you know, everyone go up and see the site and like the site, and we're just going to keep, 
you know, going on with the the press and the media antics and some of the things that my father would have enjoyed seeing. Well, um, thanks again for sharing uh, the stories of your father with us here on uh, WGN. Let's stay in touch, Monique, okay? Thank you, Dave. Okay, thanks a lot. Monique Heller from uh, Connecticut on her great father, Joe Heller.